Welcome to the WNCT Podcast Network. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. It is a crisis that strikes at the very heart and soul and spirit of our national will. People have got to know whether or not their president is a crook. Well, I'm not a crook. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. Hello, everyone, and thank you so much for joining us for another episode of What the Politics. I'm Emily here, and Victoria is in the studio with me as well. And today we're talking about a topic that both me and Victoria are very fascinated by and interested in. And I'm sure it's going to be a topic that a lot of you are really fascinated to listen into. We're going to be talking about conspiracy theories, conspiracy theories in general, in American politics, and you know, how they gain traction here in our in our society and what people can do to really determine fact from fiction when coming across these conspiracies. And our special guest for today is Dr. Andrea Kita from ECU. She is an expert in conspiracy theories and folklore. So we are super excited to have her join us for today. Absolutely. I'm Dr. Andrea Kita and I'm a folklorist. And I study um, the intersection of um, conspiracy theory and urban legends and how they affect our medical decision making. Ooh, okay. And um, we also like to try to give our audience a, we like to ask a personality question and kind of give our audience an idea of who our guest is beyond whatever the topic is. So our personality question for you is, um, do you have any pets? I do. I have three cats. And I'm also, I also foster cats as well. So oh, wow. yes. <laughs> yes, I've got kittens upstairs right now. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh, I'm so jealous. <laughs> so, and then and, and kind of diving into the topic, what got mm-hmm. you into this field of work? Um, you know, I was really interested in how people make decisions um, about their own health care. And especially when people have chronic illness, like how do they how do they keep going? Honestly, what's the question I had? And I, I was wondering, like, how do you take all of that information and make a decision based off of it? And like, what, what sways you? Like, what is important to you? Like, when you hear something, what is it that, that like, is like, oh, yeah, that's the thing I want to do, because I heard this story. Um, so that's kind of how I got into it. And I, I think because, in part, because the stories I was hearing, I was like, well, those aren't convincing to me. Why are they convincing to other people? So I had to figure it out. I was just, I was like dying to know how do people, how does this work in their head? And, and that's kind of what drew me to this is, is trying to figure out, well, how do people come up with these ideas? How do they come up with these stories and, and how do they process that information? And, and going forward, mm-hmm. there, there seems to be a psychology and mm-hmm. conspira- a certain psychology when it comes to conspiracy theories about the beliefs, about how things kind of form. What can you tell us about mm-hmm. a person who may believe in conspiracy theories? Sure. So I think we actually all uh, believe in conspiracy theories. It's just which ones we believe in. And so like a lot of times I use the term conspiracy thinking because I think we all engage in that. It's just, you know, conspiracy theories are sort of the highest level of it. So like we all walk around and think like, you know, 
someone, not necessarily that someone's out to get us, but that like maybe they add weight to the scale at the gym or, you know, the part, like the parking on campus, they're out to get us, you know, that kind of stuff. So I think we all believe on like this sort of low level mm-hmm. kind of conspiracy thinking. Um, so I think we're all prone to it. And, and, you know, it's, it's not something that those people over there do. It's something we all engage in. It's just to what extent. Um, and when I've talked to other people at research conspiracy theories, you know, sometimes I, we talk about how we almost get taken in by something because it, it fits with our own belief system. So we're looking at it and thinking like, oh, yeah, that's starting to make sense. So I think we all kind of on one level understand how it can happen. It's just that's not the ones we believe in. So when we point to conspiracy theories, we're like, it's the stuff that other people believe, not the stuff that we believe. Definitely. So is there kind of, you know, is there a danger factor to these conspiracy theories? You know, can this, you know, turn into something dangerous, having people believe in, in these situations or these, you know, conspiracies? Oh, absolutely. And I mean, we've definitely seen that with um, what happened at the Capitol. We've seen that with what's happening right now with COVID. Um, people are making choices to do or not do things based off of, of these stories that they're hearing. And that could be really, really dangerous. It's dangerous from a medical perspective. If they're walking around without a mask on, they could very easily get sick and they could pop, you know, potentially die from that um, or get other people sick. Um, or they could, you know, go in and decide, you know, we've, we've seen things like Pizzagate where, you know, a, a gentleman showed up and was, you know, trying, was like ready to, to free a bunch of kids that he thought were in the basement of this pizzeria. And it's like, but there weren't any kids there. You know? So he showed up armed. Um, and that's terrifying that people believe it so much that they're willing to, to put their lives in danger in a lot of different ways, but also put other people's lives in danger too. So it just doesn't extend, you know, just to them. It's, it's the people around them, the people outside of them as well. So it's, it's very dangerous. Mm-hmm. And, and kind of going into the factors that, that make up these conspiracy theories, because mm-hmm. what happened at the Capitol was influenced mm-hmm. by a variety of things. Some of them, the conspiracy theories that, that um, reports are showing mm-hmm. that there were some kind of like conspiracy theories going on. And then, of course, there's other off, sh- off like websites that are that are sprouting their own conspiracy theories. So how does it get from someone and a person with an interest push towards rioting the Capitol. Does that make sense? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, it starts small. It starts with one little thing and you're like, oh yeah, that makes sense. And then it expands, right? So these things sort of, they end up stacking. Um, So, you know, you might believe in one thing and then, well, then someone will say, well, if you believe that, then you really need to hear about this. And they're like, oh, okay, well, yeah, if I believe this first thing, that second thing also makes sense. Um, and then they just sort of end up stacking like that. And, uh, and there's been some research that shows that they're actually fairly easy, easy to unravel when you start to kind of pick at the edges of them. But the problem is then they just restack again. <laughs> so um, it's, it's one of those things where it's like you're constantly chasing your own tail because you're trying to explain to people like, oh, okay, well, this, this actually doesn't work. If you look at this, look at all of this evidence, look at all of this, and they'll say, okay, well, what about, you know, there's always this, what about this next thing or what about this other thing or a new piece of, interdu- of information gets introduced that's another conspiracy theory. And, and it just, you know, this is part of what's so attractive about them is they all make everything seem like they make sense. And the world doesn't make that much sense. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, and I think we, that's part of the attraction, right? Is that, that, you know, this is this beautifully wrapped package of information that all makes sense if you just look at it this certain way. 
but you know, that's not how real life works. You know, we, we have lots of unfinished business. We, you know, we have a lot of uh, things that we never get closure on. Mm-hmm. You know, That's more what real life is like. So I think there's a real attraction to that aspect of it too. Um, and and in, in if we're talking about something like what happened at the Capitol, then we also see um, there's this, this narrative that's kind of going throughout that you can be a hero. Mm-hmm. And that's a really attractive narrative, especially for, for men to hear, because they've been told their whole lives that they should be heroes, mm. right? And in, in the sort of same way that, that sometimes fairy tales can be toxic to young women, they can also be toxic to young men. And I think we forget about that, that these stories that we tell men that we, they, you know, that we tell both men and women um, that they see in fairy tales and then they see repeated in things like movies, mm. um, that they can be, you know, the hero and, you know, that, that really feeds into that. Um, so, you know, that, that opportunity to, to do that thing they've been told their whole lives they should do. I mean, that's really attractive. So of course they want to do that. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a lot of like these different ideas that were taught throughout our life kind of coming to this unfortunate conclusion. Um, so they, you know, they get all this information, they have all this other stuff that's sort of preconceived notions about who they should be. And then they have someone saying, Hey, I can make you a hero. Definitely. And you know, it, it's so attractive. <laughs> and so, you know, another kind of big political mm-hmm. conspiracy theory is, mm-hmm. you know, nine 11. Um, there's huge conspiracies yes. about that and the government's involvement, um, in that situation. So it, you know, those kind of conspiracy theories, does that stem from fear? Does it stem from distrust or kind of a combination of the two? You know, a combination of the two is a way to think about it, because I think it is both fear and distrust. Um, you know, there is that fear of, of something that's uncontrollable. And that's that's really scary, um, especially with something like 9-11, where there was, you know, there was nothing that we as individuals could do about it while it was happening. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, that was such a scary moment for a lot of people um, to realize that, you know, so many of us just sat there and watched TV and we couldn't do anything. And I think we're, we're also kind of feeling that way right now, too, because we're all just mm-hmm. stuck at home, not being able to do anything. And I think that that kind of gets to us. Um, but, yeah, there's, there's also just all of the, that information, all those stories and that fear is there. But, you know, then there's also this promise of I'm going to make this all make sense. Um, and, and for the average person, doing something is, a, is just an atrocity like 9-11 we can't even wrap our heads around it. We can't understand it. So giving us a way to understand it, it is like there's a little bit of catharsis in that. There's something about that that makes us feel better. The problem is it's an un, you know, it's an incomprehensible atrocity. We can't ever understand it. We can't ever understand what those people were thinking or what was going through their heads while they were actually doing these things. Um, so we're never really going to understand it on that sort of level because, that's not who we are. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, you know, it, it's so hard, I think, for people to process that kind of information. And and this is unfortunately a way that people process information. Unfortunately, it's not a, a good or a healthy way to process that information. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, and speaking mm-hmm. of information, because what I'm mm-hmm. hearing, and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm hoping I'm, I'm getting the point that you're, that you're making in mm-hmm. the sense that what we're dealing right now is some some sort of information overload. So we try to make it make sense to us through these yeah. stories. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Okay. And and so just kind of like yeah. going mm-hmm. forward and off of that point, what um, mm-hmm. what are some ways? What are some ways to 
kind of assess the information and try not to, and just accept the fact that sometimes things just don't make sense. Yeah, that's that's the hard part. I think it's about accepting. Um, but yeah, assessing the information is going to be so important um, because you really have to look at where your where your sources are. And you know, and this is something, of course, professors say to you all the time. And I think everybody's sick of hearing it, but clearly, we need to hear it more. <laughs> that's one of those things we still clearly need to hear um, because it it is. It's one of those things, it's not just that people are looking at this stuff and they're looking at the wrong stuff. The stuff is designed to trick you. Mm. Um, that's the other problem with this is, you know, there's, um, there's websites that are built to look just like news organizations. And you might not know unless you look at the web address that it's, oh, this is a fake site. It's not a real site. So it's, it's not just that, that people are being duped in this sort of way because they want to be, it's, it's also that they're being intentional, like that's been being intentionally done. Um, people are trying to get you to come to their website um, and look at it. So they make it look like it's, it's legitimate. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it is sometimes hard to discern the information. So that's part of it too, is, is, you know, discerning that information. And I always tell people to go and look at the other stuff that doesn't go along with what you think. Even if you think things that, that you know to be true, you should still understand the process that other people are trying to think. And even if you can only stand it for short periods of time, you know, turn on something that's the opposite of what you think mm-hmm. um, and, and see what's being said and see how that that's, you know, what, what kind of logic is being used there. Because um, not only does that help you like kind of understand what's happening to the people who believe something different than you. But it also kind of shows you how that process happens, too, that, you know, a lot of times we talk about that that sort of tunnel that we get in with information where the the same stuff is being repeated back to us because of how we set up our social media or the websites we look at or the the news we watch. Um, We end up in a sort of tunnel where everything keeps getting or an echo chamber sometimes is also used. The same stuff gets getting repeated back to us. So you got to step out of that. Right. You have to kind of move away from that and look at the other side of it. And that might reinforce your beliefs or it might start to open up your own mind um, so that you can understand, you know, what's, what's actually happening. And I say that kind of on both sides. I think people who are getting their news from good sources do need to occasionally, you know, go to the dark side <laughs> and see what's happening. Um, not to, you know, not to, obviously, I don't want them to start believing in conspiracy theories, but it, it kind of gives you a sense of what these people are experiencing and what they're going through. And I think that gives you a sense of empathy for that um, because it can be, you know, the world is a scary place and some people have so much fear that they, they get you know caught up in it and they don't know how to get out of it. And I think that actually does happen to all of us. I think that's a common feeling. I mean, they're starting to call it doom scrolling now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we all just keep watching, right? We keep watching the news. We keep going through our feeds. We keep looking to see what's going to happen next. And, you know, we all kind of fall into that. So, you know, I think it, it, it can happen for different people for different reasons. So it's good to have that empathy too, to understand, okay, this is what they're thinking, but it's also good for us to know how to combat it. So if we know what they're talking about, we can, we're already halfway there to showing people that maybe that's not the right way to go about things, or maybe that maybe there's another way to think about it. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, I think, I think that's an excellent point just to kind of be mm-hmm. aware of where information coming is coming from and checking your sources. But mm-hmm. um, I, I, I also want to ask, so I have, a habit of saying that five is my lucky number. Mm-hmm. And I know some some sports teams will have certain things that, that'll make them, you know, feel like as if they're going to win. Mm-hmm. Is that, da- 
what I'm trying to ask is like, what is the distinction between like a conspiracy theory <laughs> and these little like, I, I don't want to line them up with like folklore, but kind mm-hmm. of, yeah, like these, these lucky signs that give us comfort. Yeah. What's the difference? So, you know, I think, and that's, again, it's something else we all engage in. And I always put that under like the sort of umbrella term of belief because they both fall into that. And they're all beliefs. And I think these little beliefs that are sort of innocuous, they don't really, you know, if, you know, something happens four times instead of five, you're probably going to be okay, right? (laughs) Or if it happens six, you're going to be okay. It's these little things that like you might notice a pattern or you might, you know, you might see something like that and you'll think, okay, this makes me feel better. This makes me, you know, this, this gives me more confidence or uh, I'm just going to wait a little bit. Those aren't always bad things, right? Um, It's, I think we all do them and they're all, you know, unique to each of us about like what our lucky number is or, you know, not stepping on cracks on the sidewalk. I've heard that one too a few times. You're not letting a post come between two friends. You know, there's all these little like rituals that we do. And and some people use the term superstition. I don't really like superstition because it's a, it's already a negative term. Like when you hear that, you automatically think of negative things. That's why I tend to use belief. And I think that, it, again, it's more of a spectrum. So these are sort of low-key things that they're like low stakes. It really doesn't matter. And like, you know, if it doesn't hurt anything, sure, why not? You know, why not, you know, just stay away from walking under a ladder or, you know, doing something on Friday the 13th. You know, that kind of stuff is is pretty low-key. But then, you know, it can ramp up. And, and this is also where, you know, we do have to worry about things like um, people's psychological states and that kind of stuff playing into this because, we might be talking about someone who does actual, like actually need real psychological help. Um, you know, I don't want to, to blow this off as just, oh, we all do this. Um, there are obviously people who take it too far. And some of those people do actually need help. Some of those people need some sort of intervention. And it might not be psychological help. It might be, you know, some, I hate to say deprogramming, but that's kind of what needs to happen in some, in some cases. Um, some people need to kind of be talked off of, of that ledge a little bit and say, okay, you know, you've been looking at some stuff that's kind of worrying me lately. Um, you've been, you know, consuming too much news. Um, I think you need a break. You know, that kind of stuff. We need people in our lives to say that. But unfortunately, that doesn't always happen. Um, we don't, you know, sometimes it can be something that we, because of that echo chamber, we just mm-hmm. keep hearing the same things again and, and no one kind of tells us anything different. Right. So can, Mm -hmm. on the other hand of that, can, you know, conspiracy Mm -hmm. theories or these beliefs or superstitions, can these Mm -hmm. ever stem from, you know, something that's truthful or, um, yeah, something true or something, it could come from actually something that's real. Yeah, absolutely. Things can be true. And that's kind of the thing I love about folklore too, is that folklore isn't always wrong, right? It can be true and be folklore at the same time. Um, so sometimes we're right, um, and, and this is actually a great place to talk about medical folklore because there were, you know, there were herbal remedies that we were taking. It turns out we were right; those things were good for those conditions. Now that's not universally true, but there were times when we were correct. You know, people would would boil willow bark back in the day, and it turns out that that's what we make aspirin from. So you know, there was something there that that um, we can see that that certain patterns we don't we don't do things for no good reason. Like you don't just like wake up and keep doing the same thing over and over again. Like you see a positive effect, which is the same thing. Like with you and the number five, you probably started to notice like, Hey, that's kind of weird. That number keeps coming up. Um, there's a, there's a reason why we believe these things It's because we have these experiences and, and that keeps happening. So that's what these people are experiencing as well. So we have to just think about it as 
this might not be my belief, but I also have beliefs, right? I also have things I believe in that I, I recognize that maybe, you know, they're not a hundred percent correct, but they make me feel good. And this is sort of the, the, the dark side of that. Um, but yeah, there is, there is sort of a, a continuum on this, but there can be things they can be right. Um, but you know, most of the time, someone else will figure it out. (laughs) But there is that that narrative in there, right? That you are special and that's why you are a part of this conspiracy theory. And that's why you're in the know. You're different and special from everybody else. And everyone wants to hear that, right? We all want to hear that we're different and special and, and, and smart and all of those things. So you can see why it's so attractive. Um, but we have to kind of realize, you know, I hate to say this, that we're not different and smart and special <laughs> in some ways, you know, I mean, it's, we all have obviously our, our own things that we're good at, but sometimes we, we aren't those things, you know, maybe we do need to believe experts because they're the experts in these certain things. That doesn't mean that you're not an expert. It's just, you're not an expert in that. So, you know, I think that's kind of a, a good, healthy way of looking at it. And and you can't be an expert in everything. I mean, we live in such a complicated society that there's no way you can be. So you have to look to experts and trust them in the way that they would trust you. And that's what I always tell people. Like, think about the thing that you're an expert in. If someone would come to you and not believe you, wouldn't you be upset too? <laughs> right? Yeah. No, we totally get that. As journalists, we get told <laughs> a lot of things. Yeah. So trust me. Yeah. Um, oh, I'm sure. <laughs> so um, one of the things that that you've been alluding to and that you even mentioned in uh, mm-hmm. in this conversation is that there's that the people, for example, the people on January 6th, it's it's kind of acting out. They were acting like as if they were in this narrative of them being heroes. And um, mm-hmm. and talking about people wanting to believe that they're that they're special and that they're they have some sort of information that could save you know the enemies against democracy. I don't know. I'm making up that narrative. Mm-hmm. But but again, back to the January sixth, yeah. like people <laughs> are are trying to act as if they were mm-hmm. heroes. You he you he excuse me, you hear accounts of, of people saying we, we're saving democracy and we're stopping people from stealing the election and, and all these other sorts of things. Can, can we go more into mm-hmm. into what that is? Is that is that because there's a lack of maybe on a psychological scale heroes that we see in television and movies and, and these, these kind of different... Um, mm-hmm like a way to project your feelings towards these heroes and narratives that are often in American culture, like Captain America and and Superman and Batman, or is it maybe people are digging too much into that narrative and, and they're trying to live that out? Yeah, I, I think they are. I think they're, you know, they want to to be that person. I mean, because who doesn't? Who watches, you know, who watches like a movie and doesn't want to be the hero? Right? So we all want to do that. Um, and I mean, but we know on some level that that's not who we are because those people aren't real. Right? You know, Captain America isn't a real person. Um, it's a nice idea that someone could be like that wonderful and perfect and, and that good at everything. But that's, you know, that's not reality. And 
and the, the thing is, none of us are going to be that person. It's, it's not even that, you know, if we try really hard, we could be. It's simply impossible to be that good, right? Um, so, but I think we really love that narrative. We love, and that's so much a part of American culture, is that, that sort of, especially that individualistic hero that saves everyone. And it's like, yes, you know, they might have a team, but for the most part, it's, it's still that one person that's the main hero, right? And and we love that narrative. And that's, you know, so much a part of American culture. It, it goes right back to everything we believe about, like, if you just work really hard, you're going to be successful. And, you know, all of that, that huge American dream narrative, um, you know, at some point we find out isn't entirely true. Um, you can work really hard and not get anywhere, you know, and it's, it's so disappointing because we've been promised our whole lives that, you know, if we are just good people and we work really hard, that you know, all these great things are going to happen. And that's unfortunately not true. Um, you know, there are a lot of wonderful people out there that work really hard that don't have wonderful things happen to them. And, you know, and I think this becomes a place where they can feel like they're being rewarded for being a good person or they're being rewarded, you know, for all their hard work. Um, or for their for their belief, um, and I think that 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 happens so much in society because we we are brought up with these ideas that that's true, and it would be I think a lot better in a lot of different ways if we remember that these stories are supposed to be entertaining, right? <laughs> they're supposed to be inspiring and entertaining, but they're not supposed to be reality. Like we, this isn't real. Um, so we have to keep remembering that. But it, it is disappointing when we, we do all the things that we're supposed to do and we're not rewarded. And and that's that's very disappointing. To me, I always tell people it reminds me of exercise because like I want to exercise once and then be in shape you know, for the rest of my life. And that's not how it works, right? It's, it's such an everyday thing. And this is even true. I mean, I can still do that every day and I'm still not going to look you know, like I'm still not going to be anywhere near, I'm not going to be Wonder Woman. You know, <laughs> like, That's never going to happen. Um, but, you know, I can be the best version of myself that I can possibly be. And, you know, because Wonder Woman isn't a real woman. <laughs> so, um, so that's, you know, part of this is, is thinking about both the, the everyday nature of just being a human and, and getting better at things versus what we see in movies and what we hear in stories. It's, you know, it's, you know, I always love that. Like, uh, you know, I was a kid in the 80s, so I grew up with the whole montage thing in movies where it's like, and this is how I always to this day think that like I'm going to get work done. Mm-hmm. It's just going to be like me in an 80s montage, like taping away at my computer and then a book's going to appear. And <laughs> it doesn't work that way. <laughs> you know, it takes years and years to write things and to get it right and to edit it. And that's not fun to think about, but that's how it works. Um, so <laughs> but in, it's still in my head when I'm like, I'm going to get up tomorrow and I'm going to worked really hard in my head, like this eighties montage happens. And of course that's not it. Um, but yeah, I think we all fall into that, but it's, it's, you know, it's part of our culture to have that as, as inspiration for us. And, but you know, inspiration really can have a really negative side too. Definitely. And you had talked a little bit Mm -hmm. about, you know, social media and echo chambers and that being a factor. Mm -hmm. So with, you Mm -hmm. know, the rise of social media over the past decade has, have conspiracy theories gained more traction with the rise of social media or have there been, you know, more conspiracy theories being put out or circulated out there due to social media? Has that really contributed to it? You know, I think it's it's the spread and just the accessibility of it 
And I hate to say that because I think we tend to think of the internet as being this thing that's inherently good or bad. And it's not. It's a tool. It's how we use it. Um, But it definitely, you know, these conspiracy theories existed before. It was just, you know, back in the day, you would have to get on a mailing list and someone would send this to you and you would have to photocopy it and send it to the next person. And that's how it got around. It took so much longer, whereas now it's so fast, right? You can just put something out there and all these people can read it immediately. And it, it just, it happens so quickly. And I think that's both the good and the bad thing about our use of the internet is that we can put information out there really fast. And and that can be not always a good thing. Like sometimes it's a great thing because it can save lives and it can, you know, it can make people feel like they're a part of things. But then other times, you know, it can put bad information out there really fast to the point where that bad information then overtakes the good information that comes, you know, later after it's been researched. Um, so we're going to finish up with two questions for you because we don't want to, you know, take up too much of your time today. Um, so one of the questions that I had was sure. moving forward with all of this, um, how can people take the time mm-hmm. on their own, you know, if they come across a conspiracy theory, how do they take that time to determine fact from fiction? Yeah, that's a good question because time is always a factor, right? Uh, All of us are busy and we always have a lot going on. So I think that's part of it is we do have to actually take a breath and take the time and, and look at it and really think about it and say, okay, so in order to believe this, I would have to believe that all of these things are happening. And what is the likelihood of that? right? Okay. <laughs> it's the likelihood mm-hmm. that all of the media is lying to me. Right. right. <laughs> and it's like, well, it's, it's not great. You know, that's not a high likelihood is that, that every single news organization is lying exactly. to me, except for one. Um, that doesn't sound right. Mm-hmm. Right. That doesn't sound probable. So I think we, that's the first sort of step is to even ask yourself, does this make sense? Even just to me mm-hmm. that, you know, that, that all of these things would have to be in place for this to happen oh, that seems a little unlikely, right? That's what you kind of have to, the the kind of a path you have to go down, even without doing any research. You have to just think about it in that way. Um, Then I think you do need to do the research because if you ask yourself that question that is this even probable, um, then you have to say, okay, well, let me look at this source and think about it Um, and look at that source and say, okay, well, this is coming from one source and it's nowhere else on the internet. Um, or it's coming from two sources, but they're linking to each other, or, mm-hmm. you know, or I'm not finding anybody else talking about that. Right. That doesn't necessarily mean that that's not a good thing, mm-hmm. right? Um, that there should be multiple people talking about it if, you know, if it is something that's real, that it should be in more than one place. Um, it, it's not, you know, this is the other thing, too, is we, we live in a culture, too, where there's constantly cameras everywhere. Mm-hmm. There's constantly people documenting things on social media. The likelihood that no one has seen it except for one person is very low. Right. So, so, yeah, I think that's that's the first thing we have to ask ourselves is, is, is this probable with the things that I know that are true about the world? Mm-hmm. And this will be mm-hmm. um, my last question. And, and um, I'm, I'm kind of interested in... Are you aware or do you believe in any conspiracy theories or, or have there been any conspiracy theories that you've researched that you kind of are like, hmm, that makes that one I could see being uh, a truthful outcome or have some sort of truth in it somewhere? You know what? There was one I really wanted to believe and it kind of made sense for a while, but then I was super disappointed it was not true. 
Um, I was really excited when I saw um, it, it started with the first one that kind of came out was about there being dolphins in the canals in Venice because all the people were like leaving everything. And I wanted that to be so true and it wasn't. And I really did. I wanted that to, I I like this idea that even if like everything is awful and we all have to stay home, that like the nature is healing kind of thing, you know, like at least maybe the animals are having a good time. Um, And that, (laughs) and it was funny because that turned out not to be true, but then there were some other ones that turned out to be true where there was like, you know, I think it was like sheep or something that were going into different areas that had been before. And then there were like foxes running through like cities and stuff like that. So it was like, oh, okay. So it's like, it's not a hundred percent not true, but there were no dolphins in the canals of Venice. That was very sad. <laughs> that is very sad. Well, you have been incredibly generous with generous with your time. So I really, really appreciate you taking the time to speak with us. Thank yes, you. thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate all the food for thought you gave us today. It's awesome. Oh, yeah, no problem. <laughs> You're welcome. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of What the Politics. Emily and I were super, super excited to have Dr. Andrew Kita join us for today's episode because we feel that the best way to fight against misinformation is to talk about it and talk about how it does gain traction. So be sure to keep up to date with all the latest episodes of What the Politics. You can tune in and listen at wnct.com. You can also listen on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. All right, everyone, thank you so much and have a great evening. (music) 